Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. The story of Joseph is basically just jam-packed full of so many life events, struggles and questions that so many of us face in everyday life. Um, I don't reckon many of us would have been sold into slavery in Egypt, but what I mean here is that there are so many um, struggles, temptations and difficulties that Joseph faced uh, in his life that can help us to learn how to deal with the struggles that we face. And we're going to continue this evening in chapter 39. Um, So if you want to get your Bibles open to that page, Genesis 39. Um, at the part in which Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. We're going to see how Joseph trusted God in the midst of hardship, betrayal and pain, and then how God developed his character in this time so that when temptation came, he was able to overcome it. So I'm going to read Genesis 39. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who'd taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favour in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the law was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those who all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. 
So as we pick up this story um, of Joseph again this week, um, after last week, Tom focused on the previous chapter, which was about Judah. Um, We can see now in this chapter, uh, things really begin to vamp up for Joseph. The drama really begins to kick in. In the previous chapter that Tom covered, um, we saw how much of a messed up family God was working with. But God worked through the mess of this family by bringing transformation inside of that family. But in this, in this next chapter, Joseph is sold into slavery. Now, can you imagine how he must have felt in that moment that his brothers were like, no, actually, we're not going to leave you here in this pit to die. Actually, let's, let's take you down to Egypt and sell you as a slave there. Imagine how forsaken this man must have felt. He's going to a place where he doesn't speak the language, where he has no advantages at all in life, where before he'd been the favourite son in a wealthy family, and now he'd been rejected by them and was a slave. Before he was the son who was due to inherit everything, um, vast riches of flocks and agricultural, agricultural resources, and now all of that's gone, and he's an anonymous slave on his way down to the slave markets in Egypt. And at the slave market, this guy called Potiphar steps forward and says that he will buy Joseph as a slave. And we don't really know what moved this guy Potiphar to buy Joseph, a really young guy who didn't even speak the language, probably wouldn't be most people's first choice. So we don't know what it was that moved him to buy Joseph, but it was the will of God. It was the next part of Joseph's story. I wonder if you've ever been through a season of life where something hard has happened, um, life is just tough, and you have no idea why you're in the place you're in. What is the purpose of this? And then perhaps years later, you have the gift of hindsight and ability to see what God was doing, why certain things um, happened to bring you into this next part of your story. But Joseph isn't quite there yet. Everyone else had forsaken Joseph, but actually God had not forsaken him. And this is the first thing that I want to point out from our passage this evening, that God was with Joseph in adversity, in his struggles. And not only was he with him, God blessed Joseph in that time. Now, this guy who bought Joseph, Potiphar, was an officer of Pharaoh. So he was the captain of the guard, a really powerful and influential man. And in the first six verses, we hear of Joseph basically doing really, really well in his new position as a slave in Potiphar's house. And so he's promoted up through the ranks um, of his staff until he was given a leadership position over the entire household. Now, the interesting thing here is that Joseph's success in this time is not accredited to his own abilities whatsoever, but rather to the fact that it says many times that that the Lord was with him. So it's clear that Joseph is living for the glory of God, not for himself um, or to prove his abilities to anyone. He's, He's lived enough at this point, he's seen enough by now, to know that it's only God's opinion that matters, and it's only God that he can truly rely on. How many times in our lives uh, do we get ourselves into a spin or get really, really worked up worrying about how things will turn out or how people perceive us? Joseph has really cracked the the secret for success here. Live only for God and seek him. I'm guessing many of us here will have heard of um, the Ten Boom family. That's Corrie Ten Boom. Um, They were Dutch Christians who helped many Jews escape the Nazi Holocaust of World War II. And they had a secret part of their house where they hid countless Jewish people uh, from the Nazis, basically. Their home was then raided after somebody tipped, tipped off the Nazis of their activities, um, and the entire family was imprisoned. And Corrie and her sister were sent to a notorious Nazi concentration camp, 
And she was miraculously released from prison just days after her sister um, had actually died there. But God brought incredible beauty and healing through her difficult experiences. And her, her words still have great relevance um, today and impact on our world today. And one of her uh, many famous quotes that she said was, when I try, I fail. When I trust, he succeeds. So Corrie ten Boom was someone who'd really understood the assignment of trusting God in the midst of fear and seeking him in everything. In the previous chapters of our story in Genesis, um, what becomes clear is actually that God is barely really mentioned at all. God was not given a second thought by the characters in, in this part of the story. But by chapter 39, things are different. In just six verses, God is mentioned five times and we're told that the Lord was with Joseph twice and that he caused all he did to succeed and that he not only blessed Joseph, but the whole of Potiphar's household and crops and everything he had. So because Joseph was seeking God and trusting in him, even in the midst of his years of rejection and slavery and betrayal, God was blessing him and not only him, the whole of Potiphar's house. In Jeremiah 17, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. We can have hope that in any and every season of our lives, just like Joseph, we can be fruitful and we can remain strong and peaceful, trusting in God. In this part of the story, we're supposed to see an example of a man walking in relationship with God, honouring God in his life, and then experiencing blessing from this relationship, even when it felt like everything was set against him. One of my favourite <clears throat> Christian writers is an American woman called Lisa Turkhurst, who over the last 10 years or so, has really suffered a great deal. Um, after finding out that her husband of 20 years was being unfaithful to her, she discovered that she then had cancer and very nearly died. By a miracle, she survived and then tried to repair things with her husband um, and forgive him, only to discover that his infidelity was happening again. And she wrote a book called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And in that book, she writes, Humans are very attached to outcomes. We say we trust God. But behind the scenes, we work our fingers to the bone and our emotions into a tangled fray, trying to control our outcomes. We praise God when our normal looks like what we thought it would, and we question God when it doesn't. And we walk away from him when we have a sinking suspicion that God is the one who set fire to the hope that was previously holding us together. Looking at a bird's eye view of Joseph's life, it would be very easy to conclude that actually God wasn't with Joseph or for Joseph, for that matter. He's far from home. His relationship with his family has been destroyed, and he's now working as a slave. But like we can see from this quote from Lisa, Joseph didn't allow his circumstances to bring him down into another pit of hating God and questioning God, which would almost be natural things to do in those, those situations. But similar to Lisa, Joseph allowed God to have his way, and he trusted him in that process. I don't know what struggles, um, sadness or difficulties you're living through at the moment, but the truth that we can see from this story this evening is that God's will is that you would be blessed and blessed even now amidst uh, pain. In the book of Romans, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, 
so that you might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's message to us is trust me in this, even in this hard season, and see my blessing on your life. When I was about 14, um, something happened to my family that caused me and caused all of us uh, a lot of pain and anger and grief. And I remember walking around at school at the time and feeling like I was just carrying this massive burden of bitterness and anger. And I'd grown up in a Christian family and had always uh, gone to church. But for the first time ever, I really began to question whether or not I thought God was actually there. And I remember thinking, how could God just sit back and watch all of this this pain just play out and do nothing? And so I remember saying to God, I'm just going to come to church one more time. um, And if you don't show me yourself then, then I'm just going to leave it. And so I went to church that evening. Uh, I actually had a really powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um, I experienced um, healing and freedom and actually pure joy amidst um, a really, really painful situation. And so that, that place of pain for me actually became what started my journey of trusting in God. We can find renewed strength and trust in our loving Father, even when we're feeling like we're in the pit like Joseph was. And maybe you're here this evening and you're just thinking, no, God can't bless me here, not in this, this situation I'm in or this, this mental rut that I'm in or this family dynamic or broken heart that I've got. Maybe he'll bless me once this, this situation has died down or gone away, but not until then. But actually, God wants to bless you even in the middle of the situation, not just on the other side of it. And God did it for Joseph, and he can do it for us today. So we've seen um, how Joseph trusted God blindly throughout this painful time of his life, and how God blessed him. And now in this next part of the story that we're going to focus on, we begin to see how God has developed Joseph's character through his struggles. And so when temptation comes... Joseph is able to resist. Now, in verse 6, it tells us that essentially Joseph was a pretty good-looking geezer. Now, I reckon probably less on the kind of Harry Styles airbrush side of good-looking and more like the kind of rugged shepherd boy look he had going on. Um, And so what we see play out here is something that happens all the time. This guy is just turning heads. And it's, it's Potiphar's wife, who Joseph has been left with in Potiphar's house, And she takes a liking to Joseph and basically persistently asks him to go to bed with her. And day by day, she tries to seduce him and he continues to refuse. It even says he avoided being in the same place as her. Now, this this sounds stressful, even traumatising. This woman has authority and power in this situation. It could be really easy to miss out something glaringly obvious in this scenario, that she is coercing him and manipulating him into having a sexual relationship with her. And just because she's a woman and he's a man does not make this this scenario any less abusive or manipulative. Now, perhaps she was feeling lonely um, or neglected by her own husband. We don't know. But whatever the reason, she's acting in an abusive way. Our modern culture today screams at us from every single angle that unless you fulfil every single sexual desire that you have, you are somehow depriving yourself. But the idea that to say no to sexual temptation makes you um, deprived or any less of a real man or woman or even a wimp is a lie. God calls us to a life of integrity. And so manipulating and coercing people into doing what you want them to do causes pain, not only to that person, but to yourself and to God. And this is what Joseph did. His desire for God was so much greater than his desire to please himself. So he actually ran from temptation. 
He didn't hang about and push the limits to see how long he could stay without giving in. He knew the situation that he was in, and so he fled. How hard is it to really live this way in the world that we live in today when we're tired, overwhelmed, and lonely? It becomes harder and harder to find the resolve within yourself to actually seek God in those scenarios. But God calls us to this way of life, uh, not because he wants to withhold good and fun stuff from us, but because ultimately he knows it is better for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, All of us also lived gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you've been saved. These verses just stun me every time I read them. Um, How incredible that we have a God who blesses us with mercy and grace, even in our place of sin and pain and disappointment, in our ugliest moments, in the worst things we've done. When we turn back to him, God picks us up and makes us new every single time. And none of, us, none of this is by our own doing. He knew we couldn't do it, that we would be able, wouldn't be able to make it ourselves, so he saved us instead. The consequences of Joseph's no to Potiphar's wife were actually pretty bad. So Joseph did the right thing, and still this guy's life just is seemingly getting worse. He just cannot catch a break at all. Um, and Potiphar's wife told her husband a lie that Joseph had taken advantage of her. So now Joseph because of this false accusation, is thrown into prison. But again, we see God do the same thing with Joseph again. He begins to bless him in the middle of this stormy situation. The verse says that God was with Joseph. He showed him kindness and granted him favour in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. Yet again, this was God's will. This was the next part of Joseph's story that would eventually lead to God's glory being revealed through him. And similar to the narrative that we can read about um, of, Je- of Jesus' life on earth, Jesus suffered and went through betrayal, rejection, temptation and false accusations. Also that ultimately God's glory could be revealed to us. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we see uh, Jesus reach what looks like his limit. He cries out to his father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. What Joseph underwent in his life, um, coming from a wealthy family and being demoted to a slave and then everything else that happened to him, Jesus chose willingly for our sake. Jesus left the glory of heaven to become a servant for us. He took our shame the weight of all the things that we've done and do wrong all the time, all the times we give in to temptation, all the times we don't trust him, all the times we choose lesser things, he took all of that on himself so that we could be close to him and have the blessing of relationship with him forever. 